the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with me on this beautiful Oklahoma Thursday as it is set up to be another nice day here in Oklahoma City. I think I might even hit the links this afternoon. So I hope everybody has a good day. Recapping last night's disappointing loss for Oklahoma State at home against Georgetown. I want to remind everyone that Locked On Pokes is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. If it's Oklahoma State, we've got it covered right here on Locked On Pokes. You can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Had some good back and forth with some people last night after the game. Uh, Some people more frustrated, some people less frustrated by that game. I called it a bad loss on Twitter. Uh, Some people took exception to that. I stand by that. I think it is a bad loss. Um, And and to me, I don't think it's a bad loss in the standpoint that like at the end of the year, the committee is going to be weighing whether they're going to put in Oklahoma State or Georgetown and Georgetown is going to have the head-to-head. I just think that with everything Georgetown had going on and with the, uh, the, the fact that you have been basically begging your fan base to be excited about basketball, begging your fan base to be excited about basketball, and you, you finally have it. I mean, after what Oklahoma State did to Syracuse and Ole Miss over the weekend in Brooklyn, Mike Boynton's hometown, Kate Cunningham's coming next year, you got all these seniors on this team, this team's playing well, they're undefeated, everyone is excited. And then you come out and you lay an egg on your home court as an 11-point favorite. You basically trail the entire game. Oklahoma State took a lead 53-48 last night. And at 53-48, on your home floor, you've got to close that game out. And from that point on, you know what Oklahoma State did? They just let Georgetown shoot. And everybody, you know, last night is talking about, well, when you play that good of a shooting team, we don't know if Georgetown's a good shooting team. They just lost one of their best shooters with a Kenjo who's decided to leave the, the team. They're, they're also missing LeBlanc. So that's north of 20 points per game that they're missing. Look, this isn't high school basketball. When you leave guys wide open, they hit shots. McClung, he had a lot of wide open threes in the second half. How was he wide open whenever he had 33 last night? I don't know. But he got wide open several times and knocked shots down. Georgetown, look, I I don't know what they're going to be at the end of the season, but, you know, last night a lot of people on Twitter were telling me, well, when you play that good of a shooting team, anything can happen. I mean, Georgetown is the 160th best team in the country at shooting the three, percentage-wise. They shoot it at 33.3%. I mean, that's fine. It's middle of the pack. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not like you're playing the best three-point shooting team in the country. I mean, you're not playing a team that absolutely just lights it up from deep. Virginia Tech shoots at 43% from beyond the arc. It wasn't that. That's not who you were playing. You were playing a team that you allowed to shoot so well with the way that you played defense. And, yes, I understand that Isaac Likely was not out there. And I, and I think that that is a huge piece. I think that's a huge loss for Oklahoma State for Isaac Likely not to be on the floor. But let me ask you this. Are, are we just going to resign ourselves to the fact that if Isaac Likely gets sick again or if Isaac Likely rolls his ankle and has to miss three or four games, I mean, is Oklahoma State just going to give up 80 every time he's not out there? It, it, it makes a difference, yes, 
But even without Isaac Likely, you're an 11-point favorite. It's not like you're playing against another squad that's at full strength. They're missing more guys than you're missing. You're supposed to be the better team anyway. You're playing on your home court. You've got a big crowd on a Wednesday night. It's hard to get people to drive to Stillwater on Wednesday to watch basketball. A lot of people were there last night. It was a good crowd. It wasn't sold out. It wasn't packed to the rafters. But it was a good crowd for a Wednesday non-conference game. And Oklahoma State... Up 53-48, was unable to close it out, was unable to get the win. Now, uh, you, you know, I had another guy tell me, dude, you need to calm down. Isaac Likely didn't play, and Yorane only played four minutes. Well, yeah, Isaac Likely was sick, but why did Yorane only play four minutes? He only played four minutes because he got in early foul trouble. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you that all the little mistakes that Oklahoma State needed to not make last night, they made all the little mistakes. Yorane picks up an offensive foul three and a half minutes into the game for his second foul of the game and has to go sit the rest of the first half. Also, I am fundamentally opposed to sitting a player who's one of your key guys for 16 minutes if he has two fouls. You get five. You get five. I am fundamentally opposed. And, and, and it's, not just, it's not just pointing. Everybody does it. You get five, and if a guy gets two in the first half, they just sit him. That, that's just like... Rule of thumb. Okay, he's got two. Sit him. I I fundamentally disagree with that. Trust your guy to go out there. Now, you don't have to play him all 16 minutes to the half, but of those 16, he could have played another six. And you trust him not to pick up a foul. You trust him to play safe, be in good position, don't pick up a foul. If he picks up his third, okay, then sit him for the rest of the half. He's still got two more. He's still going to play in the second half. When you get early fouls, you just have to play smarter. It doesn't mean you don't get to play at all. It just means you have to play smarter. So I disagreed with that. But, uh, again, that mistake is made. They fall into that 2-3 zone in the second half. Give up wide open looks. Those are mistakes that are made. Oklahoma State, really pretty good last night from the free throw line. 12 of 16 from the free throw line for the Cowboys. And that's why I will give Georgetown credit. Georgetown hit all their free throws last night. Not an easy thing for a college basketball team to do. They were 14 of 14 from beyond the arc. Oklahoma State got crushed on the boards with Yorane being on the bench the whole game. Oklahoma State had 29 rebounds in that game. Georgetown had 43. Got crushed on the boards. So, you, you know, a lot of people, I, I thought that I was just kind of splitting hairs. Uh, like me and a guy named Matt Wade. Matt, I don't know if you're listening. If you are, thanks for listening. Uh, he responded and he said, bad performance, not a bad loss. So it kind of splitting hairs. Like, you know, some of the people I was disagreeing with on Twitter, we weren't you know, diametrically opposed to what happened last night. Bad performance, bad loss. It is what it is. That's going to happen in college basketball. I just hate the spot in which it happened. I think that's why I'm so frustrated because you finally had your fan base really fired up, and you have to see that momentum carry forward. Now, look, Oklahoma State can get that back. It's a long season, but and there's no way to go back and look this up, but I felt like when I was in school at Oklahoma State, I was there from 11 to 15, and even a little bit with Boynton, I just feel like every time you build up this excitement for basketball and you have this big home game and you get a good crowd, Boom, it's a clunker, and you get beat on your home floor. 
It's just, man, that's tough. Man, that's tough. Uh, Braden Hendricks last night on Twitter said, very evident how bad they miss likely tonight. A lot harder to win these close ones down the stretch without your best player, on-ball defender, ball handler. However, definitely a poor performance defensively, even though Georgetown made every three they threw up in the second half. Yeah, a lot of those were open. Uh, Sure, one of those was banked in from the right wing. The one that was banked in from the right wing by McClung, that was the one that was just, okay, dumb luck. You're, you're really on a heater, and you bank one in. I, I totally get that. Um, let's see. What, what else is here? Uh, JPW says, really bad. OSU men's basketball can't beg fans to come fill it up and lay an egg. ISIS loss is huge, but they were missing five of their players, and one of them was their best scorer. He was actually their second best scorer. Uh, and he says, have to take advantage of opportunities. This was a complete miss. Uh, Matt said Georgetown thumped Texas and almost beat Duke at home. It's not like we lost to Bethune-Cookman. Look, it's not like you lost to Bethune-Cookman. Georgetown, maybe they're a tournament team. Maybe they're not. They just lost a bunch, but they've still got McClung. They've still got Yard 7. So we'll see what Georgetown ends up being. Georgetown, yes, they did beat Texas. They did almost beat Duke. They also lost to UNC Greensboro at home, and they also got rolled by Penn State, which is kind of what I was telling you yesterday. I just can't quite figure them out. I just can't quite figure Georgetown out. I mean, they're they're hot and they're cold. Last night, maybe they were just hot. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe that's all it is. Uh, Braden says, definitely a bad loss for the Pokes. I definitely think there's still a lot to be excited about moving forward this year. They'll bounce back. I agree. I think they'll bounce back. I think there's still a lot to be excited about. It certainly makes a difference when you're not at full strength. I, I just hate the idea that losing Isaac likely means that you're going to give up 80. I, I just I just hate that idea, and and I know how important he is. Um, and and I, next man up is so cliche because if those guys were as good as the starter, they'd be the starter. So it's not that easy to just say next man up. I, I think this team is fun to watch. I still think they have a lot of potential. I, I just hate the spot in which this happened because there was so much excitement for Oklahoma State basketball. And, and I hope that this doesn't like kind of kill that momentum for a few weeks until Oklahoma State goes on another winning streak. Uh, also, you know, just to kind of point out the obvious here, Oklahoma State hasn't been that good of a home team this year. Oklahoma State's kind of had some clunkers at home, and, and then they played great out at the neutral court in Brooklyn. They played great on the road at College of Charleston. Their three best games this year at College of Charleston. They win that game by 19 after it was close early. Uh, Against Syracuse on the neutral court, they win by 14. Against Ole Miss on the neutral court, they win by 41. At home this year, Oklahoma State has beaten ORU by five. They beat University of Missouri, Kansas City by 18. They beat Yale by seven. They beat Western Michigan by seven. And now they lost to a Georgetown team who just had to dismiss five of its players. So uh, the the home product has not been very good this year. I, I don't know if maybe that is feeling the pressure of putting on a good product for your home crowd. Uh, m- maybe it's just a matter of you're going to class that day. You're around all your friends that day. It's just a normal day. And then you go play basketball as opposed to being somewhere else and being focused only on basketball. I I don't know what it is, but the home product this year has not been nearly as good. Again, the three best games Oklahoma State's played have been away from Gallagher-Iba Arena. So if you were there last night, if you were one of the ones who showed up and made it a great crowd, do the same thing on Saturday against Wichita State. Make it a good crowd. Give Oklahoma State a reason to play well at home. All right, uh, enough about that. 
I want to remind everyone to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. One word, all caps, LOCKED ON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Let me know what you think about last night's loss to Georgetown at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. At Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Do you think I'm being too harsh? Uh, do you think I should cut Oklahoma State more slack for Isaac Likely? Having been out last night, let me know on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. I'm going to take a right come back on the other side. The All-Big 12 teams and the awards were released yesterday for college football. We'll break it all down next here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pokes, rolling along here on a Thursday. Glad everyone is with me. Yes, Oklahoma State did lose to Georgetown last night, but It's not all bad on a Wednesday, as the All-Big 12 teams were announced as were the awards, and Chuba Hubbard named Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. And this is big. I I didn't think that this was a given. I I know uh, a lot of people didn't act surprised, and I wasn't surprised whenever it went to Chuba Hubbard, but it could have very easily gone to Chuba Hubbard or Jalen Hurts. I mean, it was probably neck and neck. Uh, Jalen Hurts being a quarterback, obviously, will get more votes for the Heisman because that's the way the Heisman works. Quarterbacks just by default get more award, uh, more votes. But Chuba Hubbard named the 2019 Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year Wednesday. Uh, a phenomenal season by Chuba Hubbard. It was it was so much fun to watch. I uh, I, I just. If he plays in the bowl game, I'm pretty sure that he's going to get to uh, 2,000 yards. Let's see. What was his um, – I'm trying to see how many – does not stay his total number of rushing yards in this story. Of course it doesn't. He's in the 1900s, 1930, 1940, something like that. So if he plays in the bowl game, he'll get to the 2,000 mark. So Chuba Hubbard, the 2019 Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Congrats to Chuba. Well-deserved, and it was a blast watching him this season. Spencer Sanders, despite missing the last two games of the season, was honored as the 2019 Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. Big time for Spencer Sanders. I thought uh, this one actually did surprise me a little bit whenever you consider the Texas Tech game, whenever you consider the Baylor game. But he played some good football after that. I I really thought that he flipped a switch. And when he stopped turning the ball over, man, Oklahoma State's offense was starting to look good. It it still wasn't, you know, sling it all over the yard, throw for 400 yards and score 50 on somebody. But it was an offense that could play ball control, could be physical, could run the ball 40 times a game for 300-plus yards the way they did against TCU. I, uh, I thought the offense was really starting to click, and Spencer Sanders was a big part of that. So congratulations to Spencer Sanders on being named the 2019 Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. Uh, and then what else we got here? On the first team, uh, Big 12 first team, Chuba Hubbard, obviously. Uh, he was a unanimous selection. And Colby Harvell Peel with a much-deserving appearance on the 2019 All-Big 12 first team. Colby Harvell Peel had a phenomenal season, of course, the big games against Iowa State and TCU uh, there in the middle part of the season. So congratulations to Colby Harvell Peel. Also the big game against uh, Kansas as well. I think he had a couple picks against Kansas. Kansas, so Colby Harvell Peel 
had a phenomenal season. On the second team were both Amen Ogbong-Bamiga and Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, both had phenomenal seasons. Glad to see them both get some recognition there on the second team. Also, Tylen Wallace was named to the All-Big 12 second team. He was a first-teamer last year, and he was named to the second team this year despite missing the final four games of the season, which just shows you how impressive Tylen Wallace was in the eight games that he was able to be out there for Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State also had another 12-ish 12, 13 guys here uh, who were all Big 12 honorable mention. This just means that they got at least a vote uh, for the particular award. Matt Amendola for place kicker and special teams player of the year was honorable mention. Israel Antwine was honorable mention for defensive lineman and defensive newcomer of the year. Trace Ford was an honorable mention for defensive lineman and defensive freshman of the year. I actually thought that Trace Ford had a strong case to be the defensive freshman of the year. It went to LaRon Stokes at Oklahoma. Um, Sure, call me biased. I would have given it to Trace Ford. Uh, A.J. Green, uh, as a defensive back, was an honorable mention. A.J. Green... Again, I thought probably should have at least been second team. I think the reason his stats weren't better is because people threw away from him quite a bit to the other side of the field because he was a good player. Uh, Colby Harvell Peel got votes for Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. Tom Hutton got at least a vote for punter. Woof. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, Marcus Keys, both on the offensive line, received votes. Trey Sterling received votes. Dylan Stoner received votes as a wide receiver and a kick returner, punt returner. And then Johnny Wilson and Jelani Woods also received votes. So those are all the Cowboys who got votes uh, on the Big 12 first team, uh, if you're wondering. Jalen Hurts, Puka Williams, Chuba Hubbard, the receivers, Denzel Mims, CeeDee Lamb, and Devin Duvernay. So about what you would expect, uh, Charlie Kolar, the tight end there. Defensively, uh, let's see if there's some names here that people might know off the top. James Lynch uh, from Baylor. Uh, Ross Blacklock, big name. Uh, he was ejected for the targeting call in the was the OU game where he was ejected for targeting, just a blatant targeting, I think, that it was Kenneth Murray was first team on defense. Uh, let's see, Colby Harvell Peel, of course, we talked about. And then Texas Tech actually had three guys make uh, first team. Well, they had their, their punter make first team, and then they had a defensive back, Douglas Coleman, as well as a linebacker in Jordan Brooks. So uh, good stuff as we start to wind down. It's award season in college football, so got all the Big 12 stuff out of the way. This week, next week, will be, uh, you know, Doak Walker for Chuba Hubbard. We'll figure out who's going to New York for the Heisman. So still a lot to get to in terms of football awards and uh, also very much looking forward to seeing where Oklahoma State gets placed in a bowl on Sunday. Got a good Twitter question from Brian. I want to talk about that after the break, talking about the college football playoff, how much helmet logo matters, and I'll give you some updated bowl projections that I saw this morning. Stay with me here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wrapping things up here on a Thursday on Locked On Post. Glad everyone is with me. Let's talk a little more college football because I got a, a, a tweet this morning uh, from Brian on Twitter, at Brian Raper on Twitter. says, the college football playoff is doing everything to put OU in the playoffs. They rank Baylor high and leave OSU in the top 25 to give OU more top 25 wins than Utah. I totally agree that helmet logos mean more than quality wins. OSU will never get in until it goes to eight teams. Uh, I do think it's it's not impossible, but every 
thing has to go right for a team like Oklahoma State uh, to get into the college football playoff. It's just it's been proven. Every domino has to fall just right for that type of team to get into the college football playoff. It's it's improbable. It's not impossible, but it's improbable because you don't have the helmet logo. You don't have the highly ranked recruiting class. You don't have all the things that come along with the Blue Bloods who make their way into the college football playoff. Uh, now, as far as what, what the committee is doing, one, it's a good thing that they left OSU at 25 because that might make Oklahoma State a little more appealing for a bowl stop. Uh, you know, a team wants top 20. 25 teams in its bowl because, you know, for a month, three weeks, whatever it is, they can preview that bowl game and have it scrolling across the bottom line and everything with, you know, let's say Oregon loses to Utah and Oklahoma State winds up in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. It'll say 17 Oregon versus 25 Oklahoma State. That looks better than 17 Oregon versus Kansas State. It, it bowl, bowl places like that. So you, you get the ranking there. Uh, the bowl can preview that. A little more prestige for their bowl game, if you will. As far as ranking Baylor high, uh, and and look, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I I think that OU is going to jump Utah. I, you know, I'll be surprised if Utah winds in uh, getting in the playoff over Oklahoma. But I mean, who would Baylor really be behind, though? You know, you know, I mean, Baylor's an 11 and one Power Five team. They are the lowest ranked one loss Power Five team. Uh, you know, the only other one-loss teams floating around here are Appy State, Boise State, and Memphis. So, I mean, Baylor's the lowest-ranked one-loss team. I, I don't think you can have them below Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's 10-2, and two, Florida's 10-2, and two, Penn State's 10-2. and two. Those are the teams who round out the top 10. I don't really think that you can have them behind those teams. And then you get to Auburn, Alabama, I mean, Oregon, Michigan. I don't think you can have them behind those teams. So, I think they're in about the right spot, but I still think helmet logo matters. And I still think that the committee is going to flip-flop Utah and OU going into next week, and OU is going to get in. It, it just kind of seems like when OU needs dominoes to fall their way to get into the playoff, those dominoes kind of tend to fall their way. Uh, I mean, had Oregon not lost to Arizona State, OU's path, path to the college football playoff would be a little murky. It'd be a lot murky, actually. Whereas now, I think all they have to do is beat Baylor and have LSU beat Georgia. I think if those two things happen, OU's going to leapfrog Utah and be in. Had Oregon beaten Arizona State, they'd be right up there. It, it's just one of those things. It, uh, it's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. It is interesting. I was kind of looking uh, because yesterday, obviously, with Utah being ranked ahead of Oklahoma, uh, OU fans took to Twitter in droves to slander Utah. And I understand that's part of it. You're a fan. You're, you're going to basically talk down whoever you need to get ahead of in the rankings uh, because you're comparing yourselves to them. And, and they were talking about some things. So that got me thinking, and I went to looking at Oklahoma's schedule, <clears throat> and I asked myself, how many times in conference play did Oklahoma play against the opposing team's best quarterback? How many times in conference play did OU play against the opposing team's best quarterback? I came up with six. I came up with six. Kansas was the only blowout win OU had in conference in which they played against the opposing team's best quarterback. The other five games in which they played against the opponent's best quarterback were Texas. They won by a touchdown. Kansas State, they lose by a touchdown. They beat Iowa State by a point. They beat Baylor by a field goal. They beat TCU by four. The other three games in conference play in which they really rolled, they did not see the opponent's best quarterback. They saw the third stringer against Texas Tech, 
They didn't get Jet Duffy or uh, Alan Bowman. They got the kid who transferred over from Rice. Jet Duffy ended up coming in once they were down like 34-0. But they started Jackson Tyner, who was just absolutely miserable in that game. They saw Austin Kendall against West Virginia, who is very clearly uh, not the best quarterback in Morgantown. And they saw Drew Brown against Oklahoma State. So, um, I mean, is that one of the things that the committee's looking at and saying, yeah, OU plays close games when they have to face off uh, against a, a team's best quarterback, and when they don't, they roll teams, and their defense looks better. I, I don't know. It's just I love theories. I love a good theory, and whenever people were slandering Utah yesterday, uh, I thought, well, let's just dig a little deeper on Oklahoma and see what we find. And what we find is a team who dominates when the opponent doesn't have its its best player taking snaps and a team who plays close games when the opponent does. That's not my opinion. That's I'm, I'm giving you factual evidence here, not an opinion. So I think there are a lot of factors that go into what the playoff committee sees, what they look, look at, and how they ultimately determine uh, who winds up in the college football playoff. Again, if I had to give you my prediction for who winds up in the playoff, it would be Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Oklahoma. LSU would be the one team who gets in who isn't usually in they would be taking Alabama's place and other than that it's just kind of the usual that's why we need eight because we need something other than just the usual all right thanks for listening again today remember hit me up on twitter at Colby J Powell at locked on post do you think I was too harsh on Oklahoma State basketball um were you mad at my pick last night I'm such an idiot I said on yesterday's podcast I said I actually like Georgetown plus the 11 but I don't really like the total in this game and what do I do last night I tweet out my my bet that I ended up placing I played the under and did not play Georgetown plus 11 like an idiot I uh I, I overthought it Sometimes you can overthink. I'm like, man, Georgetown's missing all these guys. No likely for Oklahoma State. I think uh, I think this could be a low-scoring game with all the uh, scoring that both teams are missing. Turned out uh, Oklahoma State was missing Isaac Likely and for the majority of the game, Yorane, which caused them to give up 81 points to Georgetown. So anyway, hit me up on Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. Let me know what you think. Thanks for listening. I'm back tomorrow to preview the weekend. Again, this has been Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>